Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Hey guys, before the show, pre-roll they call it, but it's after the show. The magic of technology. And guess what? We got a special guest. Steve Fezzik never made an appearance on a pre-roll, but I think you guys are going to enjoy it. I've got a commercial that we needed Steve's special way. There was something special on the show, Steve. Never, ever, never, ever, never have you given a future bet. I've said, please. You said, nope. Value, baby. Finally, though, this show, you gave a future bet. First time ever. You must think there's a ton of value. Yeah, so rare that I booked that dastardly bookie extra vigorous in those futures markets. But I got to tell you, RJ, I really do like this bet. All right, that and more on the show. First, though, (laughs) Manscaped. Hey, you're listening to this podcast right now. I want you to take a second and look down. (laughs) When was the last time you shaved your junk? (laughs) It's been a while, don't lie. Let's take a second to thank our sponsor, Manscaped, for holding you accountable to get rid of the funk. And shave your junk. (laughs) Guys, our confidence comes from our pride and joy and... When you trim the bushes, the tree stands taller. That's what I hear. This is their brand new packing that includes the best electronic trimmer there is. It's called the Lawn Mower 3.0. And, of course... Let's not forget about the Crop Preserver. An anti-chafing ball deodorant. (laughs) And moisturizer. (laughs) You put deodorant on your armpits, why not, right? This is the perfect package for your perfect package. You should have read that one. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code DREAM at manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor. Always do the <laughs> use the right tools for the job. And remember, 20% off and free shipping with the code DREAM at manscaped.com. That's 20. I know you love this. Relax. That's 20% off with your free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code DREAM. Your partner, your dick, <laughs> and your balls will thank you. That's actually verbatim, guys. On to the show. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview, weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable, broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. That's right, and it's the week after, the week after the Super Bowl on the Dream Preview. Fez, we're one-on-one, baby. One-on-one. It's a, I'll call myself kind of wise. Yeah, we got a laundry list of topics. This is going to be a workmanlike show. Should be fun. A lot of great info. Not a lot of dramatics, except for one dramatic. Steve Fezzik, for the first time in history, his history, has a future bet he's recommending for seven years, eight years, ten, whatever. Fez, you like any futures? No. No, do you, you ever you ever see the vig they take out of there, right? Yes, and I'm kicking myself because if you recall back in November, 
I kept saying, hey, I, RJ. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Were you going to give the pick away? No. What are you talking about? Which team did I say was going to win the Super Bowl? I have no idea. Kansas City, you and I both. But did uh, we go out and bet it? You know, every time I have no. a correct prediction, I don't have to make a big deal about it like you. But True. <laughs> all joking aside, you don't like future bets. It's, they're tough because the VIG is tough. You like one in the NBA. That is different. And at the end of the show, a lot of XFL talk. But we're going to actually put the best bets before the XFL so you can make a choice if you want to listen to the XFL. Showtime! Woo! All right. First up, Super Bowl betting results. Did uh, you guys last week, did you go over that Vegas won big? Yes. So we summarized the 12% hold. Right. I think it's important to make note quickly why it is that we are so pessimistic about betters in aggregate for the Super Bowl. On any given game, if one team is, uh, let's say it's 80-20 on the batting, 80% on Team A, 20 on Team B, if Team A wins, the batters win, right? So the batters are going to win about half the games that is lopsided. It's that VIG that makes the difference, right? But it's not, it's not like, oh, my gosh, batters never win. On an individual game, they win all the time, right? Yes. But when it is... A couple of hundred propositions, it's like a couple of hundred different games. Now, there's some correlation, but this is like almost – I never thought of it this way. This is like a whole season of games. You know, like, I think that's a great way yeah, to like think a bet, about it. The better it. winning the Super Bowl – the better winning the Super Bowl in aggregate is like the better winning the NFL season in aggregate. But it's only 250 NFL games, and yeah. now there's 500 propositions. So it's like the better winning during two NFL games. Now, you're right. There's correlation. I don't think I've ever done this this early. <laughs> but, but the fact that it's more than double the number of props means that the correlation doesn't account for all that. No. So, wow. Talk about talking in headlines sometimes, Steve. Is betters winning the Super Bowl in aggregate? I'm going to try to do Stephen A. It's the same. No, I don't even know how. <laughs> Would be the same as the betters winning in aggregate for an NFL season, excluding the Super Bowl. I agree with that, and that's why I think you're going to win your 20-team parlay predicting that the Vegas is going to beat the betters the next 20 years. Now, I don't have that bet, but if I – well, first, it'd be nice. I would make that bet for sure if I could be guaranteed I'd be around in 20, but I guess – I'll be in my late 60s. Oh, I don't even like the sound of that. All right. 20 years. Don't go there. Oh, you're not there. All right. So (laughs) that is profound. I would bet, all joking aside, the betters won't win in Nevada next 20 years. Just it's, it's, again, it's analogous to winning for a season. New Jersey. So two times out of 30 years, the betters have won in Nevada. 30 years is as long as they've kept those stats, when, uh, specifically for the Super Bowl itself separately. New Jersey, two years in business. Betters have won twice. Twice in two years, twice in 30 years for Nevada. Are the Nevada bookmakers that smart? Are the Nevada betters that dumb? No. Explain, Fred. 
What's going on is New Jersey is looking to get new customers. So New Jersey during the Super Bowl offers all kinds of promotions for new customers. Things like, hey, if the, if a touchdown is scored, we'll pay three to one on your first hundred dollar bet, promotional bet. So there's a whole lot of promotional bet winners in the New Jersey numbers skewing the New Jersey results. Which is another way of saying Jersey's willing to offer great betting opportunities and bonuses and stuff, just player friendly. For player acquisition. Yes. They figure if you get involved with them, uh, you're going to like them in the long term, and they got you. Great. Because Nevada bookmakers, they would have got you the same way. They just weren't willing to spend. Competition is good. I've said it a few times. I'll say it a few more. Nevada was fat and happy. It was a monopoly. And these guys, these pistachio-eating bookmakers, literally, hey, they worked. It wasn't like, but they had no ambitions. And I don't blame them as much because let's be candid. If you're getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars not to rock the boat, don't rock the boat. Doesn't mean they didn't rock the boat, though. It's my job to point it out. They did their job. I'm happy it feels like the market's moving to the job getting more ambitious for the bookmakers because when they're ambitious, the players tend to benefit. Yeah, absolutely. And we're really seeing that in terms of the, uh, I'm trying to think, even during the regular season, all of the different props that are available. It's crazy. Atlantic City offering so much more to the betters than Las Vegas, despite Vegas having been in business for so many years. But because of that, what does Vegas do? We'll, We'll do what we did last year. No innovation. Eat some pistachios. Next topic, we'll go into the NBA, and there's a lot of interest in the East. And I'm particularly interested in the cluster post-trading deadline. Philly, Boston, Miami, Toronto. Let's start with Philly. Today, Fez straight out of Vegas. Fez had a good show. He had his hottest take ever. I mean, this guy, you know, they say you're a virgin and then you're not. Fez is not a virgin when it comes to hot takes. But I can't lie. I agree with it. Philadelphia, don't get excited by one win. This is uh, taping on Wednesday. Big Tuesday win over the Clippers. That's right. So big Tuesday night win. Oh, everything's fine. Embiid Simmons were a contender. No, you're not. Philly's now 25-2 and two at home. I don't hear the take. The take is this win is meaningless. And the greater picture of things, namely that Philly is a flawed team. They cannot win on the road. And one home win means nothing in terms of their future chances of winning a title. If you identify the problem with the Sixers, the problem was they are really good at home. They struggle on the road. Why do road struggles matter? Well, half the games are there. But also it's a sign of discipline, organization, how they handle adversity. Sixers, not good scores. No organization in the organization. Winning at home, maybe against the NBA's best team, uh, you know, one of the best for sure, the Clippers, great. But that's more of the same. And if it was more of the same on the road, this team, no re- re- no real reevaluation. Exactly right. And let's face it, what happens with Philly at the first sign of conflict, this team crumbles. Remember when, remember when Philly was favored against Boston, pretty big favorite in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They get beat four games to one. 
And as soon as it started going south, there's finger pointing, and the team just was was a shell of itself after I think they won 20 out of 21 games to end the season. The 76ers cannot handle adversity. And I would make the following case. If you had, if you were a Sixers fan, you had a buddy that you met for breakfast every Wednesday. And if you met him this morning, and every Wednesday you talked about your optimism about the Sixers, I would make the case that in the last week, from Wednesday to Wednesday, you would have lowered expectations. Because, yes, Clippers win is nice, more the same but nice. But Embiid, social media, all the drama, net-net, I think you downgrade their chances in the last week. I agree. And how often, just recently, have we heard, hey, the Sixers got to make a decision, go with Embiid, go with Simmons. Can they really go with both? Do they get along? And do they really work on the court together? And I think I've heard more about how this isn't going to work long-term just in the past week than I've heard all year long. Hmm. When uh, I think it was uh, Jonas on the Straight Out of Vegas show said it's kind of like Boston last year. And I thought this is much worse than Boston last year, and here's why. Boston last year, it was new. Kyrie Irving comes in, ends up being disruptive. But if at some point in January, February, whatever, it could have turned around. It would have been insane. But if you look at Philly, this has been years and years and years. Could have turned around? Yeah. But when something goes on for years, years, and years, less likely. So we've talked Philly. I want to look at this cluster. Philly, Boston, Miami, Toronto. Fez, I want you to rank one to four, those four teams, because obviously Milwaukee's sitting up there. Who has, and let's forget about seedings for a second, trying to guess who has to play someone top of, if you had to get a free, if you were getting a free roll right now, 10,000 bucks, pick the team, one of these teams that makes the conference finals, who would you pick? Celtics. So you think it's Boston first? Yes. Over Philly, Miami, Toronto. Who's second? Toronto. Go ahead. Number three, Miami? I'm guessing Philly's fourth. (laughs) Very shrewd, yes. Philly is fourth. So you're saying, now, I would counter that with saying if the bet was over under wins the rest of the regular season, you're fine. But wouldn't the bet be more about, or the handicap on the bet that I talked about, wouldn't it be more about how high your ceiling is? Yes. And you're saying Philly has the least high ceiling. Well, what have I seen from Philly in the playoffs? I've seen, I haven't seen a ceiling. I've seen a sample. A small sample. I still see a basement, not a ceiling when I look at Philly in the playoffs. So you think Miami has a higher ceiling than Philly? (sighs) And, And to be honest with you, this is kind of a hybrid because if it was win the title, it's all about seeing. That's a good question. Same question to win the title. Philly's not last. Because if, mm. if lightning strikes, they got a chance. Agreed. They've got, they still have two superstars. Philly does. And Miami has yeah. Jimmy Butler. On. And it's all, that's the, that's the nuance of this stuff. All right, let's talk Celtics. Last year, there was Kyrie. What do you see with this team? Well, I like the, Chemistry with Kemba Walker, who comes in. So much better chemistry with Kyrie out. Tatum and Brown are still young, potential superstars that have not become superstars. 
But um, uh, would you say Tatum and Brown at this point, excepting last year, was problematic? How's their trend line this year? Are you happy with it this year? I am. They've been playing very well, both of them. So second best chance, Boston, or best chance, I guess. Yes. Toronto. We were thinking about this team. This is amazing. I, I just got three words. Amazing. Entering Wednesday night, 15-game winning streak. Average average margin of victory, 10.6. ATS record during the time, 10-5. and 5. ATS margin plus four. They're 40-14 and 14 on the season. Third best in the NBA. Milwaukee, LA, only teams ahead of them. 31-23 and 23 ATS. This is interesting. Plus eight games ATS. They're plus five games during the streak. So they didn't... It's amazing they have such a good record. I guess they've been winning some close games. I, I didn't look at their points margin. But they do have the highest ATS margin in the NBA, plus 3.6 over expectations. I have a question that's going to blow people's minds. But first, Fez, what's going on with the Raptors? Well, I think the baby Raptors, the baby dinosaurs are back to what they were a couple years ago, right? Winning all these games in the regular season. They sure seem to try super hard each and every night. But we talk about ceilings, and I think Toronto's going to run into the same trouble that they had when they didn't have Kawhi Leonard when the playoffs hit. Ho, 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 There's no effing way we can explain the Toronto Raptors having the third best record in the NBA with a try hard. Because did you think – is that new? Because how did they do in the regular season the two years before they had Kawhi? Very well. They tried hard, right? Yes, each and every night. They didn't so, take nights so, off. So are they – is 40 and 14 on pace for their win total? No, way over. So I'm confused then. It's not – did you think they weren't going to try hard? That's what I'm saying. It's got to be more than that, isn't it? Yes. So what is it? It's a great question. Um, Lowry's playing much better at guard. Siakam has developed into a true superstar. You know, McKenzie had an interesting point when it comes to Siakam and his trend line. Yeah, so Siakam won the most improved player last year. I actually think he's a better candidate this year to win most improved player. Yeah, so it's reasonable for Siakam to win most improved player two years in a row. It's amazing. Yeah. So you're saying just everyone else is stepping up. Yeah, and Van Vliet's having another solid year. Freddie. <laughs> well, that was, I mean, listen, these are human players. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to come right in the back door here. And sometimes, <laughs> and sometimes things are upsetting. He had the family issues, the disruption, whatever, however you were involved, got his head clear, do- dominant, or let's say career level performance, highest level. How's he playing this year, would you say? Very well. But regular season versus regular season. You know, I have to look at the exact numbers. I'm not sure. You want to pop those up, Mackenzie? So it feels like everybody is – it's a team effort, obviously, for Toronto. Here's the mind blower. I mean, it is a mind blower. And I I haven't heard this anywhere else. What would have happened? What would have happened if 
<laughs> if Leonard would have stayed with Toronto, would he have a better chance today to win the title if he stayed with the Raptors compared to the Clippers? Now you might say, RJ, that's goofy because Toronto replaced him. They really didn't. If you look at the salary cap, blah, 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 it would have been tight. They might have had to make a you know a little tweak here. They could have signed Leonard. How would that Toronto team be favored over this Clipper team? Now, obviously, we're talking two different universes because Kawhi can't be in two places at once. Well, maybe he can, but no. <laughs> but the fact is, they could have had him. Now, also, the whole kind of uh, butterfly effect, who knows what it would have changed. If anything, Leonard seems to encourage he, he encouraged those young guys. You'd think they'd at least advance the same. So what would you do? We did this as a hypothetical, Fez. If the Clippers didn't have Leonard, Leonard's on Toronto. That's the only change that's made. Right now, what's the title odds? Toronto would be the favorite plus 180 to win the title. Wow. In my numbers. Well, yeah, yeah. I didn't think they were someone else's. <laughs> Thank you. And right now the Clippers' odds are? Plus 330. So almost double the chance. Yes. Plus 180. Wow. Imagine that. And you know what's funny? It's easy to say, well, maybe the, uh, you know, maybe they'd be fighting for the ball. Maybe. I don't know. It, it feels like he would have helped the team chemistry, not hurt it. I agree. Wow. All right. By the way, who? what would the list be after that? We would have Milwaukee. At I would have Milwaukee plus 250, the number two choice, and I dropped the Clippers to, um, oh, wow. Yeah, Clippers, Clippers. Don't, Clippers don't have Kawhi anymore. Yeah. Clippers are infinity. I no, they're 40, yeah. 40 to 1. And Lakers would be uh, about uh, plus, th- plus 350 because the Clippers would be so much weaker. Van Vliet in 1819, we'll call that the uh, interpersonal turmoil year. <laughs> 11 points per game, five assists per game. This year, 18 points per game, seven assists. Now think about this, Faz. This guy has made enough money in the NBA. I mean, <laughs> I'm not even sure how to qualify, or quantify it. Well, I guess there's a way. I am Elmer J. Fudd, millionaire. I own a mansion and a yacht. And NBA is the second best sport behind the NFL. But coincidentally, Fred, Freddie as he's called, Van Vliet, who is up seven points per game. And somehow you think you're taking a lot of shots. Your assists are going to suffer. Nah, assists go up. But just like the ex on Facebook that's having a good life and you don't check the page. (laughs) Somehow, Fez, you didn't know. Somehow I managed to... The pain! The pain! I sold Freddie Van Vliet at the nadir. You think about... Is that the right term? Nadir of his career? Nadir. Nadir? Yeah. The low point. I'm not sure, but... (laughs) N-A-D-I-R. But sometimes the emotional pain... But... I'm almost more shocked that you're talking about selling human beings. <laughs> like we're all just a transaction to you. Like you're the Terminator that got a finance degree. He he doesn't go around killing. He just goes around looking, calculating the value. 
for himself, not society at large. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of that, Mackenzie? It's it's just the fez that I grew up grew, grew, grew to love, you know. And hate <laughs> can't be the same. All right, last team Miami. A lot of excitement around the trade. And then we're going to go to Houston, the other side of that trade. What do you think? Yeah, so they pick up Iguodala. I think that the Miami odds, certainly they had a better chance to win the title, but I think there was an overreaction. Miami went from 30 to 1. I think Miami probably should have gotten to like 25 to 1. They went all the way to 18 to 1. I just wonder how much Iguodala has left in his tank. He's 36. We will see. But here's the thing. Not only... Do you? Th- I think Ingu- Iggy benefits. Iguodala benefits from the time off. Though Charles Barkley said, "You know something? Sometimes you get that age, you're not in in full shape. It's hard to come back. So who knows?" But the way the Warriors used him was pretty much like this. He was with the team, but he it was focused on the postseason. If he was playing this whole year, we'd have a better idea, obviously. But I think if it was before the season, you had to say, you get Iggy. Do you want him the whole year or do you want him for the stretch run? Stretch run. I kind of agree. Yeah, that's a good point. So you think Iggy is an upgrade or addition to the team, just not as much as the market thinks? Oh, absolutely. He still plays really good defense. Absolutely what? He's an upgrade to the team. Miami's got a better chance to win the title today than they had a week ago. There you go. Other side of that trade, Houston. Now, let's be candid. We want to be honest here. Fez, you and I had a disagreement about Houston last week on Thursday, straight out of Vegas show. Lakers, Houston. Anthony Davis puts up 32. And Fez said, I'm disappointed in him. Can you explain that? Yeah. Houston's average lineup was six foot four. And I said, Anthony Davis is absolutely going to torch these guys. They're just going to throw over the Houston midgets. And I expected Davis to go crazy. Midgets is the term of choice these days. (laughs) So, Munchkins, I think that's the term you were using. Now, how tall are you? Six foot. And how tall are these people? Six four on average. And you're calling them Munchkins? Well, Relative to the other starting fives uh, in the NBA, yes. So, like, if you were, like, the 12th best chess player in the world and there was a 12-team tournament or 12-person tournament, they'd be like, hey, there's Fredo. Fredo? <laughs> yes. Mackenzie, I, I heard you laugh. I didn't hear it on mic. I'm not dumb. I like people say. I'm smart. <laughs> but I'm asking you, why do you, I mean, we put that mic in there for to hear your laughter. You just got me too quick. You just got me too quick. My hand couldn't. Or maybe move that button with you, as I told you. Makes sense. Understood? Yep. Get this. This guy's got like hundreds of dollars of equipment. He's like, ah, I'm over here. Pop wanted it that way. <laughs> well, that's not what I wanted. Oh, I was just watching that scene. <laughs> really? I was trying to cut that sound. He's so grating in that. you can't. I mm. can't get it where it won't hurt, almost hurt your ears. Mm. It's great in the movie. <laughs> You wouldn't like that, would you? Maybe you should be nicer to Houston. But we know that won't happen. As it's been a week now, and we're right off of that Boston-Houston game, Houston looked good again. My take at the time was you were you were like, this, this is like they've given up, Houston, right? Yeah, I thought they had made a mistake. It's more than that. You thought the team wasn't going to be competitive. Because right? if 
they hold someone to 32 and you think they did well, that's a sign you don't think they're real good. Yes. The market said at the time they were, what, the fourth or fifth favorite, right? Yes. Houston. What? How's your reevaluation been? Reevaluation is that their ceiling is very high. This is a... Whoa, whoa, ex- whoa, whoa. Is your reevaluation stealing my idea? <laughs> 100%. Why don't you... No, but that's not, I'm mm. being serious. Mm. I'm not asking you, I mean, maybe I shouldn't be oblique about this. Fez, we had a big disagreement. You thought Houston, the munchkins, as you called them. <laughs> I don't think that's pejorative. I don't know. Or at least offensive. I don't think so. That's the goal. I was excited about them. And here's why. There's nothing an opponent that's better than you once. There's nothing an opponent that's beaten you consistently once than for you to do more of the same. Fez, you have an acronym for that. MOTS. More of the same. M-O-T-S. M-O-T-S. <laughs> Imagine you're playing someone at uh, some computer game, video game, right? You're playing someone at golf. Golf's a good example. You've had this buddy. You've been golfing for eight years. You've been beating him for eight years. What do you want to see the first golfing event of the season, first round you guys are doing? You want to see him come out with the same clubs, same swing? I drive the ball a little bit further. My irons are a little bit better, and I putt a little bit better. There's no way he can beat me. Yes, you're going to feel good at that point. You're better. It's been proven, and nothing's changed. More the same. What you don't want to see is him coming out Different clubs. Got this 60-degree wedge thing that he can throw the ball up in the air instead of chipping it off the green every time. Right. Or he's talking about the lessons he took. What are you thinking? Exactly. I'm not so certain. Houston was not going to win it with what they had. Right? Agreed. It's like there was a game of chess going on. They knocked the table over. If it was that easy, people would do it all the time. So maybe... You got to be particularly sharp, uh, you know. Meaning you're making, you know, you got to knock the table over in a smart way. However, analogies you want to strain there, whatever analogies. Daryl Morey's not dumb, and his moves here are moves that he thinks are going to improve the Rockets' odds to win the title. And everyone's not always right, but to, if it. To me, the non-obvious moves are the ones I most respect, meaning he's doing something that guys like you, Fez, can sit and criticize on national radio. It take, He must really believe in it to make a move like that. Yeah, because the defensive liability in the middle is obvious, right? Hey, Houston's shocker. They're going to have trouble guarding big men. But it's a trade-off. On offense, all of a sudden, Houston presents all kinds of problems. And intrinsically... Three-point shooting teams have a higher variance, meaning if they get hot, they can win games that other teams couldn't win. Now, small ball lineup, you're creating more variance, right? So in theory, a lot of outside shots, but teams may or may not handle small ball lineups well. Exactly. Now, I'm having a mental block. I don't know all the NBA players as well as I should. They traded for Houston. Who did they get? What was that guy's name, McKenzie? Robert Covington. Yes. And I was reading about Covington – 
He's actually one of the true analytical darlings. And if you have anything on this, uh, Mackenzie, to talk about, I don't know if you looked into it. And that they said if you get rid of the guys that have the big, big names, LeBron, Leonard, literally Covington is right there in the top tier of the best, by advanced analytics, best non-superstars in the league. Have you seen any of that? Yeah, I was just pulling it up. His real plus minus, I think he was like the third or fourth small forward last year. Let me pull it up. Yeah, so this is like the kind of guy that Daryl Morey, I think, has coveted. (laughs) And (laughs) the fact is, if you get to shake, if you get to knock over the chessboard and get uh, yourself a rook that you think is undervalued, I'm not saying they're going to win it. I say I believe today they have a better chance to win the title of the Rockets they did before the trade. Now, Fez, you did not feel that last week. I did not last week. How have your thoughts evolved? Well, I've watched Westbrook. And frankly, i got to be honest, I should have seen this last week as well because he was already doing this. But Westbrook is a three-point liability. He does not shoot well from three. I've seen stats. Worst guy that has taken ample amount of shots out there. Exactly right. And so when I actually looked at his numbers starting on New Year's, Westbrook has taken half as many three-pointers attempted than he did prior to New Year's. So what is Westbrook doing? He's driving. He is shooting in the paint. And he's exceptionally good at that. And guess what? Because the Rockets are playing five guys that can all shoot threes. It has opened up the middle for Westbrook, and he's extremely effective. And we had some stats from, I think ESPN put these out initially. If you look at the points in the paint, he's had about 24, I think, per game. 23. 23 per game. Last 11 games. Only Shaq had that many points in the paint during that span of game, that 11 games in the modern era. I mean, it's hard to imagine Westbrook suddenly gained seven inches. So you've got a little guy scoring all these points in the paint. It doesn't seem possible. And now you've got slashing. I mean, because if you think about it, Westbrook's durability, his energy level, outstanding. And now you're making the other team play your game. He Now you're taking away the biggest liability or minimizing the biggest liability from Westbrook. I don't know. looks good. Now, it's easy to have an opinion. By the way, Covington, this year, the sixth-ranked power forward by ESPN's real plus-minus, and historically quite good at those advanced analytics. Also, Covington is coveted. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the market agreed with me. I'll I'll, kind of give you the ending here. Tuesday night, Boston at Houston. Houston was a small favor. Two and a half, Brett. What does that tell us about relatively Boston and Houston? Boston's the better team. Fezzik's power rankings now going to be updated three days a week. They are. And in Fez's power rankings, I have Boston, my number four NBA team. Houston, only the number seven team. All right, so a little bit better, Boston. Now, each of them have conference odds, you know, odds to win their conference. Houston, seven to one. Boston 7 to 1 to win the East, Houston to win the West. How would you rank the conferences, Fez, in level of difficulty of winning the conference? The West is much more difficult. So Houston is the lesser team in your power rankings in the more difficult conference. Boston's the better team in the easier conference, but they get the same conference odds? Something seems amiss, doesn't it? Now let's admit 
that these markets aren't super liquid, and sometimes it's just dumb numbers. Maybe it is in this case, but it made my case, so I thought it was worthy of talking about. You have to agree, right? Now, so the question is, today, do you think Houston has a better chance to win than you thought they did the day before the trade? Yes. Listen, welcome to the club. <laughs> it's called the club of being right. <laughs> Let me tell you, Fez, it's easy to go with the crowd. They're all over there. It's fun. They got free shrimp. It's a couple days old. It's okay. You got a tough stomach. But it's over here. It's over here with the Paul Smathers of the world. <laughs> That's where the money's made. You, you falling? Not really, but the uh, I love the Paul Smathers reference. <laughs> All right. By the way, I don't think Houston's going to win it. I just think they improved their chances from almost nothing to a little better. But they are right up there as favorites. This is exciting, Fez. I've been wanting. Listen, would we agree with the following? I never, ever, ever, never, never say. You should have a pick on this. You should have a pick on that. Never. I want you to, because if you start doing that, and I've dealt with enough cappers, they come and they go over the years. You can't, cappers are like uh, horses in a way. I don't know much about horses. I'm just saying some animal that likes a routine or something. So you're drawing a reference to something you know nothing about. Exactly. (laughs) Just I get vague impressions out there. That's what I would do. Yeah, well, it's good. Is, I, it's just that there's so much luck in the short-term sample sizes of anything that cappers tend to get superstitious. Because if you're just flipping a coin you just got in, and you're like heads, 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 tails, heads, tails. Oh, I was holding my hand here. You would think analytically driven people wouldn't be like that. Wouldn't you agree there's a lot of superstitious cappers? I agree. Like, don't call me Sunday morning, you know, not because they need the time. It ruins them. Or, you know. I got to disclose this to you. Yeah. When I'm driving out of my house, I'm in a cul-de-sac, all right? I can turn left or right to all get right. to the main This it, is what it, I'm talking about. It is, it is fitty-fitty which, which way to go, all right? If I have, like, one every day the last five days and I've been turning right, there is no way I'm turning left, RJ. Even if there's a car parked on the right and my chance of an accident go up by, you know, <laughs> a, a, a tiny incremental amount, I'm going to drive past the car that's parked and turn right and keep doing mots more of the same. <laughs> you know what's funny? I agree with you, but I don't do it. <laughs> Here's why. If you believe it, why not? Right. If someone thinks someone sitting in a lucky seat is going to help them shoot pool, if they're in a pool, whatever, I would just try to minimize those things. So when Fez gives this pick, it means he believes it for the first time ever. Best bet on a future bet, any sport. Whoa, make me rich, make me rich, wherever you can drop that Stop on the Milwaukee Bucks, 3-1 to one to win the title. Let me give some numbers here for the Bucks and why I like them so much. Points per game differential. They're outscoring their opponents 
by 12.5 points per game. Milwaukee's also 45-7, and seven, and oftentimes we talk about the Pythagorean theorem and teams getting lucky. That's why they've got such great records. Not Milwaukee. they got a great record because they're just way, way, way better than everybody else right now during the regular season. Now, of course, we can make the case. Will that continue into the playoffs? Right, so let's talk about this. Power ratings right now, you're going to have these out publicly soon enough. Fezzik Sports on Twitter. It's F-E-Z-Z-I-K. Fezzik. F-E-Z-Z-I-K. So it's at Fezzik Sports. Only Twitter account. You're going to put these out soon. Give me the top teams and their power rankings. Milwaukee, number one, 11 and a half points better than an average team. Number two team, Clippers, seven and a half points better. So I have Milwaukee four points better in my power ratings right now than the number two team. Lakers, the number three team, seven points better. Wow. So... What's the baseline effort during the regular season? Some teams is high. Some teams are low. The teams that are low have a chance for their ceiling to be risen, raised. I don't know. How much if playoffs started today, what adjustments? I would bump up the Clippers and the Lakers by three points. And Milwaukee. Keep them the same. They, 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 they try their hardest. Yes. You and I have a bet on tonight's game. How's it looking for me? I'm not thinking real good, is it? Where is that? Box, box, box. Oh, it must be over. Oh, there it is. Oh, Fez. Fez. <laughs> it's only five, baby. Hmm. Ah, come back, come back. <laughs> I haven't won a bet against RJ in months. And so, backstory, RJ got just 100 on this one. Pacers were up 20. And I was already doing the showboating. <laughs> The grandstanding, the hot dogging, <laughs> if you will. It's about we, I got this we were one right up for the pod, and he won't take his eyes off the screen. And they're up like twenty six. He's just <laughs> watching the ticks, dude. Hmm. <laughs> well, the real backstory here is you gave this pick on. Now you think I wouldn't be celebrating that all the hundred people, but you know I gotta be me. I mean, if I, listen, people bet against me, it's their fault. Ah, uh, they just got, we'll see. But let's <laughs> sit here staring. Mackenzie, it. take that score yeah, off for the next five minutes. At the end of the show. Yeah, we'll, we'll go back. All right, so you ended up having a handicap. You liked uh, fading Milwaukee. And they, yes. And because Giannis was out. Well, no, because. Oh, that was a key? That, well, I, the key was the fact that Milwaukee had a long winning streak. And Indiana was on a long losing streak, and this is their both their last games before so the All Star break. The team wants to lose and not have a winning streak coming into the All Star break. No. Uh, now, what's funny is I agree with you. The losing team would want to win, but the winning team would want to win just as much. Yeah, but the, you're going to have to live with that, whatever it is. Yeah, but I think you can live with the fact you're five and one going into the break it, versus being zero and seven. It's not a low motivation spot. It's a uh, on one to one hundred. It's a sixty-five, and you're saying my uh, Indiana might might have been a uh, ninety-five. Yeah, I'm yeah. fine with that. But yeah. both are above average motivated. Okay, fair enough. The Indiana motivation was really the key. All right, and that was it. Yes. And then I said on air because listen, it is what it is. Truth wins. How has Milwaukee done with Giannis out? Very well. And five and zero. Oh? Five and zero. Oh. And then the score they were. What was the high score or the biggest lead you saw? I saw like forty six twenty three. Like they were doubling them up. You're like, see, I am, I am. I would have loved to hear you your internal. Take me off my game. No, no, no. I would love to hear your internal dialogue. It'd be like, 
I am Fezzik. I know sometimes these bright lights, they, uh, they mess me. I'm Fezzik. Fezzik. I'm Fezzik. Was it something like that? Yeah. <laughs> That's Fez for you. Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I hope they win so bad. So Milwaukee, even with the adjustment, they're the best team. We've already talked about the East is easier. Got the number one seed all sewn up. We haven't even talked about seeds yet. That's a good point. And they will have home field advantage, a home court advantage in the playoffs. All the way. The finals. All the way. And this feels like they're on a mission, this team. Right? Yeah, the loss to Toronto, losing four games straight in the playoffs. And that happens a lot of times when a team gets really good, but they don't have that playoff experience. Oftentimes, you know what? You need a little playoff experience and seasoning before you can go on and get a title. So it's a normal bet, but you bet on Milwaukee to win it. Last thing in the NBA, Zion. Fez, it is unequivocally true that Zion's overperformed expectations. Um, Mackenzie, you can throw up some of those numbers. And let's, you know, we like to start where the others leave off. So last night, and again, this is Tuesday night, 31 points, season average 21 points, almost eight rebounds. PER 25, or uh, yeah, 25. So 15's an average starter. So 25, very good. And what we've seen is his minutes have gone up, 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 and up. His performance. Still questions about his health. There's nothing that's going to stop. I mean, it will take multiple years. But setting aside his health, would you agree he's overperformed expectations? Yes. The caveat, the team hasn't. And it's been a short sample. But if you look at the odds of the Pelicans making the playoffs – the day before Zion played his first game, 62%. Look at the, and this is per 538. Look at the odds today, 50%. That's a reduction. That's down. It is. Hold on. Let me see. <laughs> you know, I like to double check. Yep. What I think is we can say unequivocally Zion as a player is better. Than we expected so far. And I think we can say unequivocally, too, that his ability to be integrated into the existing Pelicans team is uncertain. Would you agree? I agree. And let's face it, this this was a Pelican team that struggled early on in the year. And they were just getting their footing before Zion came back. Ingram and Drew Holiday were playing much better together. And this team was really had started to hit their stride before Zion came back. And now a little more disruption with the lineup, with the minutes for everyone. Jonas made that point. It was an, I hadn't thought of it. Young team made the Anthony Davis trade the Pelicans. And it's, my analogy usually goes to food. It was like cake was being baked, and it was just hard enough you could eat it, take it out of the oven, and then you stick in a big Zion-sized hunk of icing. Cake's got to cook a little bit. Now, listen, it's not like the team's done really poorly. It's just they've exactly met expectations based upon the 538 projection model. But if one player exceeds expectations and the team meets them, it means there's at least short sample a question. NFL, offseason, Philip Rivers, 
A lot of disagreement on Phillip Rivers. And obviously Tom Brady, another quarterback. It's always in the news here. Where's, uh, this is for next year's quarterback rankings. So you're taking into account age is really the only change from last year. Like, you don't know what team these te- some of these guys are going to be on. Where do you have Rivers? Where do you have Brady? Rivers number 24, Brady number 20. Okay. I think you might have Rivers too high. We did a little work on this. We said, let's look at his quarterback rating throughout the season. First four games was above average. Last four games, or check that, last 12 games, last three quarters of the season, it was like 46. And remember, 52 is like the average now. Feels like that when he's nice and fresh, he was just above. I mean, I get 24 says he's well below average, but it's another year, a new system at his age. And here's the key. Who knows Phillip Rivers better than anybody? The Chargers. Yeah. And how much did Phillip Rivers probably not want the disruption of having to move the 26 kids is not easy? No, and, and evidence of that, remember, his kids, all 26 of them, were still I'm living. I'm not sure about that number. In San, I think it's nine, um, eight or nine, was in San Diego. And when he was playing in L.A. and practicing in L.A., he actually hired a driver to take him back and forth. That's a man that does not want to move. So you think he would have taken a hometown discount? The Chargers, you would think, trying to sell seats. Now, if they knew they were going to get some big name, who is it? Brady? Okay, maybe. Then this makes sense. Why not wait then? Right? This is literally, I don't know about waiting because, I mean, I guess his contract was up. Yes. I don't know. They're not getting Brady. The Chargers are not getting Brady. <laughs> if you're a Chargers fan, can you possibly be more excited without Rivers than with. Meaning, I get that people are going to be like, hey, he's old, let's move on. For the most part, people want to go to the stadium and see their guy. Usually, the fans are a year late on wanting to get rid of a guy, wouldn't you say? Because they they're sentimental. Exactly. And how many, like, Charger players and how many Charger fans are there really? And Rivers is the face of the franchise. Yeah, you, when you have a precious few, you want to protect them. Right, you don't don't want to risk risk them. So everything other than on the field play pointed in the direction of keeping him for both of the parties. Rivers motivated to stay in theory. The Chargers motivated to keep him in theory. If his play was that bad that they saw in practice, everything else. I think you got to take that seriously. I think the Chargers are telling us this guy's done. Somehow, Fez, you got him above where Lamar Jackson was at the start of last year. <laughs> that was not my best work. Who's, who's below him? Uh, Mayfield, 25, and Darnold, 26. Keep going. Dalton, 27. I think you like oh, Andy Dalton I think better. Andy Dalton's better than yeah. Philip Rivers. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself there. By the way, these are the free agents available. Quarterbacks, who would you take over Philip Rivers? All right, so would you take Tom Brady? Oh, of course, Drew Brees, sure, Dak Prescott, absolutely, Ryan Tannehill, slam dunk, Jameis Winston, yes, for sure.
Yeah, we'll work on his interceptions Yo. for sure. <laughs> Get Fez out there, coach him up. <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, five and zero oh last year. Absolutely. I, 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 so you'd have Teddy Bridgewater as what a top? Where would he be? Twenty one. Oh my gosh, Marcus Mariota. No, <laughs> Case Keenum. Where is Case Keenum on my list? We can have a conversation. I say no. Yeah, no. I think no. I think a couple years ago, I yeah. think that ship sailed. <laughs> yes. I don't know. He was D. I mean, if you look at his stats, it weren't bad. He was an MVP candidate, yeah. And here's the fun one. Joe Burrow. For one year, I'll take Rivers. Oh, but that's a good point. One year. All right. Uh, look at a lot of Dak Prescott talk. Well, you got Dak in your numbers. Got Dak number seven. Yeah, I think so. He's higher. I don't under. I mean, listen. I don't understand all the machinations of the negotiations with Jerry Jones and all that. But people are acting like Dak's no good. I have a stupid question to all ask right. you. I didn't want to ask it on air. Well, l- luckily we're on air. Go ahead. When when Dak turned down the thirty three million, mm-hmm. would he have gotten that last year? Was that in other words? Was this for future negotiations, or does he imme- would he immediately have been paid the thirty three million in two thousand and nineteen? I don't know for sure, but I'm certain he would have gotten a big chunk of money upon signing. But the contract would have been for 33 for the future years. Because you're right. If you have a year, anytime you have left on a contract, if it retroactively became, or uh, I guess if the last contract got overwritten by the first one, then it would be, again, remember, they're paying this in strange ways. There's signing bonuses. There's roster right. bonuses. My, my question is, did he, has he already missed out on $31 million? No. Okay. Because effectively the years he had to sign were, are still, still haven't been played. But he would have physically had more cash, mm. even though he would have played effectively for the same. It's like he would have got pre They would have fronted it. Yeah. I, okay. Like a bonus or whatever. Right. So Burrow for one year, Dak – yeah, I think I don't understand. I mean, I if the going, uh, you know, Jonas made a good point on the show. Dallas might have won the battle but lost the war. One, I think Dak got upgraded, and I think you agree, right? Whatever you thought of Dak at the beginning beginning of last year, you think more of him now. Right? Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing. Dallas only won eight games as well as Dak played over the course of the season. Finished the year number four in QBR. Yeah, and if you look at Dallas's offense. And we had this on the show. McKenzie pulled it up in real time. It was great. Uh, Football Outsiders had the second-best offense, Dallas, and best yards game per play. Now, I know that's yeah, – but the Football Outsiders is saying this was a great offense. So wrapping up Dak, I trust Jerry Jones as a businessman. But with the market resetting, as Jonas was saying – Every year that goes by, quarterbacks are getting signed for more and more. So it's like if you sign now, you get $38 million or whatever. It's the best. The best in two years is going to be like 44 It's going up so fast. The players, you know, these agents are not unaware of that. So it's like you, the faster you sign them, if you pay them market, when the market's going up fast, sooner is better for the team. It's not for the players, but the players want their money. Yeah, I mean that's the crux of it is that that first forty million is worth so much more than that next fifty million times four. Well, Faz, you, I believe you. I believe <laughs> you. Let's go to some baseball. This the Astros cheating scandal seems 
Uh, more than seems, I think, worse and worse. How how is your reaction to it evolved? At first, I wasn't. I didn't want to overreact to it because stealing signs is just part of the game, and even having like banging on some trash cans. I'm not going to say I was okay a, with that. This is such a fascinating. Go ahead, Steve. Don't, don't let me stop. It's such a fascinating insight to his morality. Oh, go but ahead. but then <laughs> when I heard about like the the allegations of like the electronic signals that they were like had guys were wearing wires, and I I, I go back to here in Nevada, we have uh, rules. You do know wearing a wire is surreptitiously taping somebody else. That's not wearing a wire. All right, but having an electronic device to use a parallel in Nevada. If we're in the casino, RJ, and you're looking at my blackjack dealer and he's sloppy and he's flashing his whole card, you can flash to me in a signal, hey, Fez, he's got a 10 underneath. And that's legal. That's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you got like a little device in your hand, in your pocket, and I've got a little device in my shoe, an electronic device, and you're signaling me that same information, that's a felony. And I think that makes a lot of sense that when you're at a point where you're using electronic devices to give this information and it's not easily detectable, I think you've really crossed a line. Oh, I, I, I had the casino going. I wanted to get... Fa- <laughs> All right. So we'll, we'll step out of the casino for a moment. You truly are the dirtiest player of the game. I mean, it's so funny when you were going like, well, you know, banging trash cans, no big deal. <laughs> oh, man. Why are these teams playing to win, right? Win the title. Sure. It's the ultimate, you know, beyond the money. How much – I haven't heard anyone talk about this. And I, listen, it's not like I've read everything on this. Have you read, heard anyone effectively quantify the edge this created? I have not. The closest thing that I've heard was the most recent there was a lawsuit by – a journeyman Toronto pitcher. This I, just, I saw, that, saw but, that. But the amount of money they're asking for is going to be different than if you knew about this as a batter and no one else knew about it. How much of an edge, would, how much of an adjustment in your game rankings would you have made? That's a great question. It's, you know, a significant adjustment's not obvious to me. Is it worth 50 cents? Is it worth 20? Is it worth 100? What's the least amount it could be worth? Reasonably. So if a team's minus 150 without it, and the team is 30 cents. And 30 cents would convert to, and it changes based on where it is in the spectrum, how much win percentage in the game? Yeah, over 10%. So you're saying this team, through three years, increased their chances of winning 10% in every game they did this, which was just home games? Yes. And somehow they're keeping their title? Yes. Seems off to me. And I've heard all this different stuff about, like, well, maybe the owners should suffer. Okay. But it seems like the players and are right. I mean, how much less culpable are the players than the GM or the manager? The manager was unaware of it. He got And fired. he's fired. But I get it. you got to control your environment. But the players were participating in it. And there, there, there's no consequence. Haven't even seen a small fine on any player yet. So with that code breaker, you're allowed stealing signs, but you can't do it with the benefit of a camera or electronic surveillance. Okay, is that the rule? 
Yes, you can't use technology to analyze the code. Yeah. So what technology, when they were code breaking the signals or signs originally, what technology were they using? They had their own team shooting it? It was an Excel-based document, the yeah, article said. How did they get the raw data about what the signals were? Just the footage of the, the camera footage. just Of the game itself? Yes. But was it like TV broadcast footage or their own footage? When, when MLB instituted the replay system, all teams got new camera angles, such as the center field camera angle that's, that's at stake here. So really, they didn't cheat doing that either? No, it's league instituted those cameras. Yeah, but using the cameras they gave to steal signals wouldn't be you using electronics. Yeah, not, they didn't introduce new technology as far as cameras, yeah. Yeah. So really, it would have then why was it cheating? I don't think the cameras were supposed to be used that way. Uh, how the fuck can you say that? You give them the footage and say, don't look at the, avert your eyes from the signs? Yeah, that's why the Red Sox and other teams are, are under suspicion right now, because they all got this technology at the same time. So I get the whole idea. If there was the electronics to signal them, someone's got to answer that question. Mm. I get the whole spirit thing, but you give them the footage, they're flashing the signal. And the guy in second base is already doing the same thing. Now you've got the camera. Yeah, but yeah. that's different because yeah. second, it's real time. You can't log it. I right. get the whole thing. But you can't give them the footage yeah. and say, don't look at this. Or if you do, you got to be very specific and say it. Right. <clears throat> that's probably what gave them the idea to see if they could break it was it was sitting right there in front of them. And isn't it a coincidence, Washington, it was reported on uh, February 12th here, warned about the Nationals, the Astros cheating prior to the World Series. So it wasn't like some big long time before. And lo and behold, Washington or Houston loses a close series. Loses all four games at home. I mean, come on. Come on. Does it... It kind of concerns me no one figured this out in the betting community. Like when strange things are happening, usually they show up in the results, right? I didn't hear anyone talking about it. Me neither. Mackenzie, didn't we do the work and and, and, uh, Houston actually had a below average record at home? Yes, during those seasons. But in the playoffs, some of their players had – really stark home road splits where they were much better at home, such as Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman. But if you're cheating at home for three years and you have an, uh, you've lost money against the money line, which is the baseball way of doing it, I wouldn't have guessed that. Imagine if you had inside information about Houston cheating at home and it was pretty effective and you bet the home team. And bot. you lose. <laughs> How long would you be batting? A year three, you still be batting it? <laughs> I don't think so. Hmm. I don't think so. (laughs) This shows you the hypocrisy of this. Carlos Beltran was a player, as a player doesn't get blamed, becomes a manager, never did it as a manager, but he gets, there's a consequence to him. That, I mean, that's so counterintuitive. You did it while you were doing it, no big deal. You've now entered another club, and they're going to look back and say, because you did it back then. Now, if you didn't become a manager, no consequence. Now you're a manager, there's a consequence. What do you think, Fez? Blame management. (laughs) I'm still, you know, I was thinking about this. We were talking about this in pre-production. Tweet me if anyone knows this at RJ in Vegas. 
our assumptions are that the footage that they were getting, this code breaker stuff, the footage that allowed them to have the signals to have the code of them broken came from the center field, center field camera that the league provides the team that footage as part of the replay system. So the rule is you can't use electronic surveillance to steal or cheat signs. This is footage everyone has. So I can't fathom they're saying you can't like see that part of that footage, avoid that. They could blur out the things if they wanted to, I guess. Well, they didn't think about it. So they took the footage, figured out how to break the code, signals, you know, steal the signals. And then unless they proved there was an electronic signal to the batter about what was coming, because that's the whole trash can thing mm-hmm. implies there, there was, it wasn't uh, electronic, then what rule did they break? Like, Belichick was supposed to be taping the other team. I get that part. But if NFL gave Belichick footage and he was able to use it to gain an advantage, how could they blame Belichick? They can't, right? I don't think so. Yeah, it's interesting. Unless they they said, we're exclusively providing this to you for instant replay only or whatever. Why provide it to them? Why not give them online access that ends after the game's over? Or give them 20-second delay. Whatever it is. Oh, but that's interesting, though. Were they? St- oh, now maybe this is different. I don't even know though. If they're streaming the footage live, well, you don't stream footage. Did they, Mackenzie? You read about this the most. Was this something provided to the team after the fact, or it was a feed provided to them during the game? It was a live feed. And did, was there any taping of it? That I don't know. So the theory is someone's using the live feed to log. But how could you log this thing? I don't think you could human do that. They must have taped it somehow. That might be the issue. If they got a stream, they somehow did like a screen capture on the screen, some way to tape it, and then baseball didn't know it. Now you're using electronics to tape the electronics provided to you. I get that, I guess. But if they gave them like an archive of this stuff, like here's the you know here's the eight camera angles from this game, and there's just go to the computer, go to the date, and the team's got it. That gets sticky, I think, where maybe Houston's also bad. So I'm on both sides. Let's make sure they broke the rules. I'm guessing they did. But I tell you this, if they did, it feels like the punishment needs to be more. What do you think, Steve? I agree, but it's so hard integrity-wise to strip somebody of a title. No, I think it's there's hard some- not to if you want to keep your integrity. Mm. Right? What's the point? Of titles that don't mean anything. And I got to tell you, I get it. Baseball does, doesn't want to disrupt their tradition. You know, the like in boxing, they talk about the linear champion. This idea goes way back, and this means something. Right. But every time baseball's tried to circumvent a controversy, it's caused more controversy. This crowd, oh, I hate this new uh, playoff proposal. What do you think? Especially the three batters. Yeah, the... The new rule that when a pitcher, a relief pitcher comes in, he's obligated to face three batters from the other team. It's fraught with peril, I think, in terms of— <laughs> Fraught with peril. Uh, the exclusion is that if my relief pitcher should happen to get injured or sick, well, then an exemption's made and we can bring in another pitcher. So what's to prevent a relief pitcher from facing one batter? And then, oh, ooh, my arm— 
yeah, walking I off. Hate, I hate that stuff. I think the way to fix that is if you are going to do this, you have to leave by injury. You know how you have to miss a play? You have to miss a game. I think you've got to miss a week. I think you've got to make it egregious. Enough. Jesus Christ, a game's enough. It's a relief because pitcher. The guy got hurt. He's hurt. Take a day off. That's enough. Mm. Why are we even debating that? A I, week or I thought it should be more than one game because there would be some relievers that have pitched the two days before, so they couldn't but pitch the, the next day anyway. The kind of reliever that's going to not pitch a couple of batters, they could pitch one batter a day. Right? Yeah, usually if they pitch three games in a row, they don't pitch them the fourth. But you're right. You're right. Listen, I don't, you got to keep it simple. Yeah. The way it is now, I think it, there's a way – obviously teams might try to cheat. I don't like it for more important reasons. It fundamentally changes the game. Rosters have been put together with a left-handed specialist in mind. Absolutely. The guy who pitches to one left-handed batter in clutch situations a game – and I tell you what, RJ, in terms of totals, this will not have a, a totally insignificant factor on totals. There will be higher scoring. You kind of even wonder about how these the, – and I don't – listen, league's got to do what's best for the game. If a certain player or group of players gets hurt by it, hey, there's less running, running backs, not as many are signed. League's got to worry about the game. Chips will fall where they may, you know, trying to do as you know as reasonably as possible. But to say it's almost like to say the yeah, football would be a good example. It literally would be like saying, "Huh, there's no onside kick." Uh, but see, I, I don't know. I think it's even. Let me think about this. What would be a good football now? Like, what's something that happens? Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like you can't. If you this is interesting. If you're outside the hash marks when the snap happens, you can't carry the ball. So there's no sweeps, hmm. right? So it's a it's a niche play. You could say that there's certain guys, scat backs or whatever, are better. You know, they might be in the league because of those kind of jet sweep type plays. Right. But the thing that bothers me isn't the players; it's the fact that defensively to stay sound, or maybe you can't run a reverse. That you know, so that's a good example. I like. I thought the other one was decent, but so what happens? You got to. Containment, right? Or the idea that if they're running this way, the DN on the other side has to wait there instead of running downfield because there might be a reverse. Disciplined teams do well with it. Undisciplined don't. If you just make that illegal, it's changing the nature of the game. A team built around a lefty that's going to be a you know specialist, I thought that was fun. Now, listen, games are too long. I put this proposal out, and on Twitter, the response was good. I'm going to try to extend this for a week, so check this out at RJ in Vegas. With, and I'm going to offer this as fair, or I'm going to offer this on the pregame.com license to the Major League Baseball. They can have it. They can have, Just mention me once again. When the pitcher – and. If the pitcher is when the pitcher gets set on the mound, on the rubber, on the rubber, that's a way to say it. Thank you. Set on the rubber, and the batter set in the batter's box, and what, what, however it is, it is a sign of a set. There'll be a signal from the, whatever it is. The pitcher can't has to pitch, can't step off the mound. Hitter can't step out of the box. That's it. If they do, and get it, you get a cramp or something. You get a ball or strike against you based upon which side. So pitcher gets a ball, batter gets a strike. I love it. 
that's what drives me crazy. Now, I guess you'd have to go with the uh, throw, or, or I guess in theory, if you're someone on base and you're, you're not feeling it, you could lob a throw over there, right? You're in the stretch. Yeah. All right, we'll figure it out. If you time the time that's taken when the batter steps out or the pitcher does off the rubber, how much time do you think? Oh, it's agonizing because the pitcher takes too long. And the ba- remember, the, every batter has like those wristbands. They snaps tight, which helps him. And it's almost like a golfer. You know how golfers like to waggle? Mm-hmm. The, the, and if you just stand at a dress too long, it's harder to hit the golf ball. Okay, it's been eight seconds. The pitcher's taking too long. And the batter gets out of the batter's box. So I think the one other implementation I would do is put a pitch clock that once everything's set, okay, boom, yeah, but, but 10 you're, seconds. You're already, you're already got it rolling. So but maybe, the pitcher's got to pitch it within 10 seconds. I, I mean, if you had to guess in a game, if you just time the time when the, from when they, they go against this rule and said all that time you aggregate it, because once they get back in and the pitch comes, then the clock stops and you start. What would you guess? 45 minutes. Does that sound right, McKenzie? It sounds long. Yeah. If it was a half hour, it'd be a uh, freaking gold, god, godsend. Yeah. And one other thing. Now, I'm going to give them one other thing. They should get two throws over there on the base. And then here's what happens. There's a line, which is the biggest reasonable lead anyone, the best leadoff or leaner ever. This is what they get. Ricky Henderson is hmm. And then after the second throw, they automatically get they get the maximum. They get lead. the max, and now you've you had your two shots. They get the good lead, and it's all crazy good. It's just good, you know. So maybe you know between good and great, whatever. Yeah, but, well, you make it great. That's all right. Yeah, it's a little bit about yeah. There you go. Can't throw over ten times. Yeah, the first yeah, it's base. A problem solved. You get your two cracks at it, and you don't get them. Like it. That's it. Take it. That's some of the best. That's some of the best shit you've come up with in a long time in terms of rules enhancements. No money to be made. Baseball won't listen to you though because they're old fart dinosaurs. Yeah, I agree. I just, in a weird way, I think leagues gotta accept what they are. I mean, baseball had its time. If you, and I'm not saying don't try to. I guess don't go against. Your core greatness. Baseball is a leisurely game. It's not going to be super fast paced. Let's just get the inefficiencies out of it and enjoy it. You know, and the whole home run thing. I I still don't understand. If you know people are cheating, I get it. You'd rather it not be a big controversy. I mean, it's been twenty years plus, and we're still the game still feels tainted by that. Maybe it's just my age. Well, you I, said it best. 61 means everything. 73. I don't do It's not even the number. Who knows? And even something like that, that they put an asterisk beside, was it just showed you how important numbers were. 56. Yeah. That's the number now. The Joe DiMaggio? Yeah. You know, the game before and the game after, he didn't get a hit. That, like, oh, is that right? Because I thought I thought he had a reasonably yeah. like when I put up a streak and it's like thirteen and one. They go, well, they lost yeah. before. I say, yeah, Dimaggio. You know, that's yeah. what a streak is. <laughs> Though everyone debates me on streaks. Is that thirteen and one oh, is yeah. not a streak? Maybe, but what the hell is it? A, a run? <laughs> up next. Oh, we talked about cheating. We talked about the changes. It's XFL time now. Here's what we're gonna do. All that's left are best bets. 
effectively, and some XFL talk. So we're going to go with Dave Essler with his NBA. What does the Hitman have? XFL. Ooh, and it's a season win, right? Or season uh, title odds. Yes. Then we're going to go with Fez's best bet first, XFL, for this weekend. Then the Hitman. Then some general XFL talk. But first, our gal. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. Fast starts out hot. I mean, you were hot dogging. Showboating. I got to be honest. It was impressive. Um, I was out last week on the pod. Did you give this out too? No. Listen to SOV, baby. Straight out of Vegas. Six Eastern. Now over 200 Fox Sports Radio stations. We are the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audience has over doubled in the last year, Fez. Doubled. I've heard that a couple times. That's true. What do you got? All right, Saturday, 2 p.m., Tampa Bay at Seattle. I'm looking at the total in this game. I am going under the 45 points, RJ. If you recall... I picked the New York Guardians against Tampa Bay, and I mentioned I thought that the Tampa Bay offense might well— You were, you were talking again about that? Showboating. Hot dogging. shows up for no reason at all to get his grandstanding and hot dogging in. You, man. Continue. And Tampa Bay's offense struggled mightily in the low 40 degrees in New York, only getting three points. How much did they struggle? Well— Murray, their quarterback, there's talk that he should be benched. I'm not sure if he's even going to play. They might well have to replace him, but I'll tell you this. If you struggle in 40 degrees and no precipitation, you're probably going to struggle in 40 degrees when it's raining, and it's going to be raining more than likely in Seattle. Latest forecast, 90% chance of rain, temperature in the low 40s in Seattle. That's not conducive to either team scoring, but especially not Tampa Bay in the warm weather climate traveling all the way to Seattle in the bad weather. And let's look at the Seattle team. Cluster injuries on the O-line, left side of the O-line, injuries to the left guard and the left tackle for Seattle, who was not projected. Now, do we have any sense of where the drop-off is between the first-string XFL player and the second-string? God, no. I do not. I'd like to say I've got them all power-rated, RJ. But uh, I do not. But I'll say this. The expectations for Seattle offensively were not high coming into the year. Yeah, I think it's fair to say the starter is going to be better than the backup. Yes. There, there, there you go. Let's face it. Last um, week, the average scoring in the XFL was only 38 and a half points. So the- now this is interesting because there was steam times 10 on the overs. Exactly right. The totals on average open 40 and a half, closed at 50 and a half, 10 point moves across the board. And the betters went down with that because three of the four games did so, go under. So does it feel like the assumptions were wrong or did the games play in a way where the assumptions were right? They just, some scores just didn't happen. I think a significant aspect was that two of the key quarterbacks wound up being scratches and did not play for L.A. and for Dallas, and that had a lot to do with the lower scoring. So does that mean do we look towards the over this week because the the premise was sound, the circumstances didn't allow for it? You know, I I don't think so. I think we wait till like week three or four. What's the average total? Average total is 48 this week, which does not seem like enough of an adjustment considering only 38 and a half points last week. So last week it went from 40 to 50. Yes. Now it's down to 48. 
Yes. So they're saying they trust their – my instincts were right here. They're saying they trust their – Right. They're trusting – their... Was this a move or was this the bookmakers open? The bookmakers opened right around the 48. There hasn't uh-huh. been much movement in those totals. Okay. So I will project that those totals are going to come down because the scoring was so much lower week one than what was expected. Now, I like your instinct. I think there will be value in the overs by weeks three or four. But let's face it, in the NFL, what do we typically see? Weeks one and two are the lowest scoring um, why games. Is uh, offenses are typically behind the defenses. They don't. The, it Especially take, today with the timing and the sophistication. Exactly right. So, you know, the extreme level is when your offense is clicking completely, even the best defense has trouble stopping it. But um, early on, the quarterback doesn't have his timing with his receivers, so scoring is lower. Hmm. Let me think about this. How much? Well, before we get into too much XFL, I said we were going to do Essler first, and I didn't. So let's listen to Uncle. So repeat your best bet. So, yeah, Saturday, 2 p.m., Tampa Bay, Seattle on the total going under the 45. Bet it now. Bet it now. I will pro- I'll project it closes. I'll, I'll project it closes 42 and a half. You might be a little too confident in projecting a league that just started. I'd be willing to bet that. Now, would you? Oh, would you? Uh, obviously, you watch a lot of games because you have to in game betting and such. And that's, it probably makes you less inclined to watch anything for fun because you're watching so many games. How much enjoyment did you get from these games? You know, a lot of enjoyment. I got to be honest. I like the rules better than the NFL rules. All right, so we'll get to that. So let, let's do this. astler has got his pick, and that's on what? NBA Clippers Celtics. Oh, awesome. So Uncle Dave, he's been winning since Moses wore short pants. It's the truth. <laughs> let's listen. Let's build on our Phoenix win last week. Celtics over the Clippers Thursday night. Boston should be a one-possession favorite. It's a bad spot for the Clippers. Last game before the break, and they're on the end of a four-game road trip and on the East Coast. Boston lost at L.A. by three in overtime, and that loss was the end of a road trip for the Celtics. These are different teams now, and if for no other reason, the Celtics didn't have Hayward and the Clippers maybe without their best defender, Patrick Beverly. But I also really love Boston third quarter. Steven has always been a great halftime adjustment coach. Boston's won the third quarter, six of their last seven and six straight at home, generally by a lot. They're third in the NBA in third quarter points scored, third in the league in third quarter points allowed. And even in that loss at L.A., Boston won the third quarter. So the Celtics will win this game and the third quarter. There he is. Some call him Uncle Dave. I call him Diamond Dave. Diamond Dave Esler. Follow him on Twitter. Dave underscore Esler. I love it when he comes to town. I love the diamond reference because he's really good with baseball also. Ooh, but I was saying ironically, he looks like like a mob accountant. Mm. He looks like someone's uncle or a mob accountant. But if someone's uncle was a mob accountant, they call him Diamond Dave. Yeah. Let's think of that again, because I like it. <laughs> Dave looks like a mob accountant. Mob accountants look like uncles. No, here's how I'll do it. <laughs> See, the sausage is being made. <laughs> Dave looks like a mob accountant, but he also looks like a mob accountant that's someone's uncle. If Dave were a mob accountant that was someone's uncle, they'd call him Diamond Dave. That's it. I like it. 
Don't, you got confused there. Your eyes were darting around. Well, it's 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 been a long day. When Fezzi has to work 12 hours oh. in a day, you know, it's like well, I start to fade. Uh, there you go, man. Fez giving his hour count. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Is work waking up? Is that when you start your work day, in theory, when you wake up? Let's continue. Oh, well, yeah, well, you know what we'll do? If you like the, if you care about the XFL enough to want the Hitman's pick, this will be fun conversation. If you don't, next week we'll be back talking about the new rules. All right, new rules, and I love all these. Kickoffs. This is the most exciting thing ever. You kick off from your own 30, but the kicker's standing all by himself. All his other teammates are on the opponent's 30. Oh, my God. This is like uh, Australian rules football or something. Yes, and the the returning team, all their players are on the 25, so they're like five yards apart. So we wait until the ball is received, and the kick has to be between the goal line and the 20. If it's not, it's an egregious penalty. The ball comes out to the 35. So you got to kick to about the 10-yard line. So kicking it out of the end zone is a bad thing. Terrible thing. Why not just pull it back like after a safety and make it a long – I mean, I get the whole idea of putting those – you know, having them set and ready to fight in a way – but I don't like the idea of of the kicker having to be like if he if he this seems to go against brand because Vince McMahon is all masculine, all macho. Oh, you're too strong. You just kicked it too far. That sounds like you want to kick far, right? But you want returns. You don't. I understand that. But if you went back and had the kicker back 15 yards, wouldn't you get the same thing? Well, no, because he might hit his own players in the butt because but he couldn't get it to go far enough. A certain fa- yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But anyway, go ahead. And I think they're at the right point. So the bottom line is 91% of the kickoffs got returned. Contrast that with the NFL where less than 40% of the kickoffs get returned. So more action going on. Now, listen, let's be honest. Vince McMahon's not real worried about CTEs, <laughs> right? So, a victim of the infamous Malachi Crunch. But, but that's smart business in a way. Meaning, if the NFL has this institutional concern, they're such a big billions and billions. Hey, we're gonna play. We're gonna go old school. But you could also make the case: the fact that they're not running means you're gonna have a lot of action. Exactly. But it's not going to be that super high impact. Exactly. No car collisions because they're only five yards apart. So ah. it comes across like a regular play from scrimmage. So it really worked well. Love what happens after touchdowns. No kick and extra points. You can go for one point from the two, two points from the five, or three points from the ten. Usually it would be correct to go for the two points from the five. You know what's funny? I was wondering if you were going to interject because, you know, you did the calculations. You didn't even take a breath. It was literally you started saying mm. you can go from the one to the two or the two or the three. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I mean, that was insane. He didn't take a breath. Couldn't wait. Like you were r- rattling off three options. Do you realize how typically people would say, now you can try from the one, the two, or the three? Consider. No. You couldn't even get the third one out before. You're that excited, huh, to tell everyone what you know? It's about me. <laughs> me, me, me. <laughs> go ahead. The 25-second clock is really cool. No, no, no. Go ahead and explain. You actually didn't explain why the, the two All right. All right. So if you go from the two-yard line, you get one point. If you go from the five-yard line, you get two points. 
if you go from the 10-yard line, you get three points. Let's do the math. If you go from the two-yard line, that's like a normal two-point conversion. You'll make it about half the time. It's worth about half a point to go for it. If you go for it from the five-yard line, you'll make it about a third of the time. So what's two divided by three? It's worth about two-thirds of a point at that point. If you go from the 10, although you get three points, you're only going to make it about, oh, maybe 20% of the time. So it turns out that the optimal um, uh, decision is to go for two from the five-yard line. You'll average about two-thirds of a point doing that strategy. Running at 96 kilohertz with an input-to-output latency of less than 0.7 of a millisecond. Thank you, Steve. I mean, thank God you got that out. I mean, <laughs> you know, another thing I think that they, we got wrong, the odds maker, well, the betters really on the totals is you don't get a point after a touchdown. You're really only going to average around six-tenths of a point after a touchdown. Hmm. Hmm. All right. What else? This 25-second clock really speeds up the pace of play. So as soon as the uh, play is over, the ball is spotted, boom, you got a 25-second window. So you can even hear the coaches are allowed to talk to the offensive quarterback up until the point that the ball is snapped, and they're, like, coaching him like crazy. Like, and, and you're hearing that feed. And you get to hear the feed. So it, it, it's very interactive. And not just that feed with the uh, quarterback, but all other players – plays you get to a lot of other plays you get inside information you get interviews with the players on the sidelines that's no big deal but you get live look-ins to the offensive coordinator and the coach who's calling the plays so you got like chow the offensive coordinator for one of the teams talk about zebra x one five and then the announcers are explaining this is probably a running play because of what he's calling and you get live look-ins when the play is being reviewed well that seems but you never take a breath the the thing that's smart (laughs) to me, is they are bolstering the entertainment value during the slow times of a game. It's in, that's why announcers, in theory, are very important. But if you're cutting in, seeing, you know, that that actually is fascinating because Vince McMahon always presented the backstage stuff. And it got interesting, right? Everyone wants to know what's happening backstage and out front. The idea that an offensive coordinator and his assistants are mad at each other saying, I told you that play. I'm not saying fake. I'm saying real. And that happening at the time in between plays, that gets interesting. And the one thing that was most interesting to me is when I was watching like the OC call in the play, I thought it would be like a collaborative team effort. Like people would be in his ear and the like and be, no, he's just kind of doing it on his own. And it's like, that's his job. Don't disturb him. So that was interesting to how, me. How was the level of play? Spotty. I mean, I mean I didn't really think about this before. I'm guessing there's an obvious answer. How could the best XFL team do against the Alabama team? Wow. Let me think about that. I'm not sure they would beat Alabama. Wow. You would think they're supposed to, right? Because in theory, this is the next level. Yes. You would think that. You know, I take that back. They'd be they'd be able to beat Alabama. Mackenzie, have you seen anyone talk about this? No, that's fascinating to me. I mean, Cardale Jones is seven years older. You think he'd be a lot better in the XFL than he was at Ohio State? But who knows? Hmm, that's a good one. That's a good tease. The next week, we'll think on that. Anything else? Uh, one last point. All these rules are fantastic. Now we just need to see more offense and more scoring because, frankly, it's a little bit of a dud. Five yards per play, the average play in the XFL week one. NFL, by contrast, five and a half yards per play. So the scoring was... That's going to come now. I mean, the same reason at the start of seasons, uh, offense is a little behind. I think at the start of a league, the offense is going to be more behind. 
just because you don't have the timing with you. It's like every team is an expansion team. I, I agree with that. And we saw that with the Alliance of American Football. Remember, they started out scoring less than 40 points per game. By the end of the year— but Still, you like the under. They wound up at, at 45. I still like the under. So it wasn't the end of the year. It was when yeah. the lights got turned off. Yes. You know, the more you think about it, if you know you— Let's just say this. If the XFL gets established— you know it will be better than college. Absolutely. It has, it has to be. be. Right? Meaning once they get camps multiple years, and there is so little that goes on. Let's be candid. The NBA, I don't want to call it a niche. I mean, there's a lot of people who love the NBA. A lot of people don't, right? College basketball is all, I mean, it's a couple weeks in March now. Yes. And baseball is baseball. Down. If you had a league that was better than college football at the level of play, once you and you have you know great production, all the Vince McMahon stuff, I think it's going to be six, and obviously the networks are bought in. Can you, a new league that's actually on multiple networks and it's pro gambling that I love. So during the pregame show, they're talking about the spread, they're talking about the total. During the game, they're talking about they get it, and I think that that appeals to the vast majority of viewers and adds extra interest to the game. Yeah, even the ones that don't bet. I always tell this story. My grandfather never bet. When me and my buddies were sitting around watching the games, he'd walk in and look at the screen and go, who's favored? Yeah. It's a, how you start to understand to even watch the game. Who's right. supposed to win the game? Yeah, this is interesting. Listen, I'm a fan of Vince McMahon. I don't want to be grandiose because it's just not appropriate in this case. But I feel some kinship with him in that he was in an industry that was uh, around a long time, and he had some new ideas. They were resistant to it, and, you know, he ended up being right. I think, obviously, at a scale bigger than I, you know, than me, but I I feel that kinship is we, we've tried to do things differently. A lot of people didn't like it, and ultimately, every business isn't about the purest. The business is about the customers, and the wrestling customers didn't care about Georgia Championship Wrestling's more real or whatever. They wanted entertained. I think sports bettors, you know, it's funny because the naysayers and sports bettors are on both ends of the spectrum. The hardcore, you know, my number on this game is 7.8. You know, it's like, all right, now what? I mean, it's great. And then there's the, you know, sell your house, sell your car, sell your kids. I think somewhere in the middle you have correct information. Listen, it's not about winning every pick. It's about not saying anything incorrect, so wrong that people are going to lose a bunch of money because they don't know something that's easy to know. But then after that, it's about helping them enjoy their betting, right? And it's fun entertainment. If you're a hardcore, every decimal point guy, it's a different approach for you. So, Vince McMahon, certainly, the -the over-the-top stuff, as a wrestling fan, I was an NWA fan. Mm. But as a businessman, got to appreciate what he did. Anything else? That is it. We got the Hitman. Now, here's what's nice. Made me kind of happy. I saw one of my sheets said, an XFL Super Bowl odds. (laughs) No, not Super Bowl Unlikely. Yeah, title odds. I'm sorry. I just think of football that way. Now, have you seen these odds? I have not. All right. Who's the favorite? Take a minute. 
Who do you think should be favored? Houston or D.C. Boy, this guy. Two top ones. D.C. plus 335. Houston plus 385. Guardians plus 450. The Renegades in Dallas, 6-1. to one. Tampa, 6-1. to one. The Vipers. Don't mess with the Vipers. St. Louis, 6.5-1. to one. L.A. Wildcats, 10. Seattle, 16. How about Seattle? Fire the GM. <laughs> and it's funny with Vince McMahon because he really distills things down to the human truth of it. And a lot of people don't like that. <laughs> they want to hide as much human truth as possible. I'm not always comfortable with it, but I look at square in the eye. And sometimes it's not pretty. All right, Hitman. Next with his pick, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, best bet. We did pretty well in the NFL, so now we're going to go to the XFL, and we're going to look at the Houston Roughnecks at 5-1 to one to win the championship. So currently they're the third favorite behind New York and D.C., and I know that they're clearly better than New York, and I actually believe that they're better than D.C. So you're getting what, in my opinion, is the best team in the entire XFL as the third favorite to win it when they should be the uh, first favorite. Now, their defense week one allowed the least amount of yards per play in the entire XFL. What about their offense? Well, they scored the most points and they had the most yards per play and they have the early MVP candidate of the league in Philip Walker. I got Houston rated the best team in the XFL. That's why I'm taking them to take home the championship. Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.